is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hi, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. That is not the voice of the great one. Poor guy's a little bit under the weather. I, I'm not, I feel bad for him. He's been toughing it out all week. But he's feeling a little ill. He will be back with you on uh, Monday. He is not uh, sunning himself on a beach somewhere in the Caribbean. Uh, he's really uh, he's a trooper. So I'm Dan Bongino, your bullpen uh, relief pitcher for the show. Hey, um, listen, folks. So I filled in for Mark, I don't know, a week ago. I lose track of time. By the way, I'm at DBongino on Twitter if you want to comment, criticize, whatever. If you want to join the show, 877-381-3811. I didn't take any calls on last week's show because it was the most important guest hosting appearance for Mark uh, I felt I'd ever done, and I appreciate the opportunity to do it. But I have to be candid with you, folks. I did not expect uh, the feedback that I got on the show. It was good. It wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. It was very little criticism at all about it. But I was really astonished how little people knew about the Obamagate spying scandal. So what I did when I filled in is I laid out for you. It's still available on podcast, by the way, on MarkLevinShow.com. I laid out for you what I felt is the most important critical political scandal in United States history. And I said, don't forget what we're talking about the entire time. We're talking about the Obama team spying on the Trump team how they set them up, how they did it, and I walked you through for the entire show the mechanics of how they did it. Now, I'm I'm being completely candid and honest with you. I did not expect the feedback. My email account almost blew up, if if that's even possible. My iPhone uh, was smoking by the end of the next morning because I was stunned at how how many people did not have the details I provided. I really honestly thought it was kind of common knowledge, a lot of it. It's not. So what I'm going to do for you tonight is I'm not going to redo that show. There's no need to do that. You can listen to it. But I am going to add some details, and I'm going to highlight some points you have missed. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to provide for you, in case any of you, because I got this question a lot, and forgive me, I couldn't answer all of you. I'm going to provide links to the media stories that were written on this. So you, because I know a lot of liberals listening to Mark's show right now, oh, Obama didn't spy on Trump, you're just making it up, you're a conspiracy theorist. Okay, um, is CNN partaking in this conspiracy, the Washington Post, the New York Times? Because many of the links I use, the Guardian, a left-wing newspaper from overseas, many of the links I use are those specific outlets talking about what I'm telling you. So if I'm a conspiracy theorist, then they're involved in the conspiracy too, and you'll have to take them down uh, with you. So I'm going to provide these links. I'm, I'm, my wife's working on it now to make it easy for you. She's going to put it up on my website, and we're going to just call it the Obamagate files. So you can kind of follow along at home. Now, before I go into this a little bit and I go back into some detail, don't leave the radio for a second on this, okay? Don't turn away. Don't do anything. If you have to get out of your car, put it on MarkLevinShow.com. Go to the Mark Levin Show app. Don't list, don't, don't tune out for a second. Don't even miss the commercials on this one. You're going to need this show to understand what's fully going on. But before I get into it, I want to explain to you why the left-wing media even has articles up about this. Because I, a fair question for you right now would be, well, Dan, that doesn't make sense. We know the media hates Trump. 
Why would the left-wing media post a bunch of articles that are helping you make the case that the Obama team spied on the Trump team? Oh, oh, Mark has been on this. Mr. Producer, you can vouch for me on this for months. Mark was on this months, years. He's been on this since about a year ago now. Here's why, folks. The left-wing media has been trying to pitch you a narrative for a very long time that Trump colluded with the Russians to win an election. It's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. There's no evidence. I'm telling you with every fiber of my being, I am absolutely sure of it. I know I'm a conservative. I get it. I obviously support the president. But I'm telling you, with I will put my entire reputation on the line. Not, that did not happen. There is no evidence that that happened. But the media are dopey. They were fed this narrative by their, you know, because they're bootlickers for the Democrats, and they were fed these talking points as they, they they licked the boots of the Democrat Party that told them this Russian collusion happened. So for months and months and months, they put out stories blowing up the idea that the FBI, foreign intel, and a whole bunch of other people were spying on Trump. They, they, folks, I, I'm going to provide, I promise you, we're going to get to the links. This is going to take a while. Be patient with me tonight. If I do it fast, I'll do it wrong. For months, Mark Levin and other people out there have cited the left wing's own reporting about wiretaps, the FBI operation against Trump. Other people on other networks have talked about the foreign intelligence spying on Trump. And the left wing lapped it up. Why? Because they were trying to make the case that Trump was a dog, that Trump colluded with the Russians, and look, here's the evidence, the FBI is spying on him, it has to be real. But what happened? It wasn't real. There was no collusion. There was no evidence at all that any of this collusion actually happened. Uh-oh. As we say in the, the Scooby-Doo file, Shaggy... All of a sudden, the left-wing media had a big problem. Now, all of a sudden, a U-turn happens. These left-wing media people are like, hit the brakes, hit the brakes, hit the brakes. There's no collusion. Now, what do we do? We've been reporting for months that the FBI, that the intelligence community has been wiretapping and spying on Trump. We've been reporting that the British GCHQ and overseas foreign intelligence was feeding information to American intel on Trump. What do we do now? Because now it looks like Obama spied on Trump and he didn't do anything. Holy. Now what do we do? Enter Mark Levin who, I guess about a year ago, goes on Fox and lays out a case on Fox and Friends, citing the media's own reporting. <laughs> what do they do? Rich, this really happened, right? Am I crazy? They call him a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Last March, they, cite, they tell Mark he's a conspiracy theorist for citing their reporting. Folks, I'm ready to rip this microphone out of my wall right now. I'm not kidding. This actually happened. Mark cited the left-wing media's own reporting about the spying operation on Trump, and they called him a conspiracy theorist. Now, Mark, Mark's vindication day has been here for a while. Mark has been vindicated over and over, and we all knew he was telling the truth. That he was citing their own reporting. But the media, because they're so dumb, 
they had to actually walk back their own reporting without walking it back. Keep in mind, they haven't retracted any of these stories. This is where the links are critical. And this was my mistake in the last show. I didn't. I was not prepared for all the questions. Everybody wanted the links. I'm going to have them. My, I'm telling you, my wife's working on it now to make this easy for you. It'll be up shortly. She'll give me a little heads up. But you can see the left-wing media's own stories about all of this. The spying, the setup, the framing of Donald Trump. The left-wing reported on it because they thought it was real. They thought he really colluded. Because they're suckers for the Democrats. They didn't even ask for evidence. Anonymous sources have said that Trump colluded with the Russians to win an election. Well, who are those anonymous sources? Oh, maybe Christopher Steele? He has no incentive to say that at all. (laughs) Folks, this was a setup. It was a sting operation, an entrapment operation the entire time against the Trump team. The evidence is overwhelming. I started the show last time telling you how it's not a coincidence that all of these people who were implicated in the exchange of information back to Hillary Clinton and in turn back to the FISA court and the FBI, these people are interacting with the Trump team. Do you think it's random? How do you think they met? At a coffee clutch? This was a setup. It's obvious. You don't have to be a a former federal agent. I worked these criminal cases. This was a setup the whole time. Now, take a break in a minute here, but link number one, this is important. This is a great piece because it has sublinks in it, so I don't have to link every single piece. There are actual links in the piece that will help you go where you need to go to understand that, again, take it out to 30,000 feet. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. This was a setup the entire time. Great piece of tablet mag. I think it's Lee Smith who wrote it. It's a link. It's a, it's a, I'll have them up on my site. In there, let's talk again about a person who approaches the Trump team. Wow, totally coincidental. And his information somehow makes it back to the Hillary team. How is this happening? Over and over. This is from the tablet mag piece. And I'm quoting. Last year, a Wall Street Journal article claimed that Steele, talking about Christopher Steele, sourced for uh, in this information, when I talk about the information, talk about the golden shower story, was Sergei Milian, a Belarus-born head of a Russian-American business group. According to this account, Milian didn't tell Steele directly, rather, writes the journal, his statements about the Trump-Russia relationship were relayed by at least one third party to the British ex-spy who prepared the dossier. Wow, that's crazy. You have this guy who's interacting with the Trump team. Now, you may say, you didn't mention him interacting with the Trump team. Oh, oh, oh. And I quote again. Acquaintances call Milian a self-promoter and opportunist, much like the other two-bit players tagged as masterminds of the Trump-Russia relationship, Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. Listen up. Who Milian was reportedly in contact with during the campaign. Now, and the next one, Milian denies this. He says he has nothing to do with Steele's story, calling it a blatant lie. I'm just telling you the reporting's out. This is person number one of interest here. 
He's supposedly, according to reporting, I'm just citing the reporting, folks. He has this communication. He's hanging around with Papadopoulos. All of a sudden, this golden shower story through reporting that says he's the one who relayed it from a third party back, basically, to the Clinton team through Steele. Now, I got to take a break. But it's important that we understand this is just one person. I totally get it. You should still be skeptical. Well, one person, who knows? He may have, they may have just had some friends on both sides. Fair enough. It's going to go on, I promise, and we're going to cite the left-wing media some of their own reporting on it because it, it's so easy to nail them to the wall. They screwed this up big time. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter, InfoMark. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling it for Mark. He'll be back with you on Monday. If you want to join the show, 877-381-3811. If you want to send me a tweet, I'm at the Bongino. Hey, Rich has done us a favor, and he is putting that information up at MarkLevinShow.com, too. The links I've been talking about. It's critical you see the links, so you can see the, well, tablet mags, not left wing, but the left wing media contribute to the story I'm telling you that the Trump team was set up. So I gave you the first guy, okay? And I'm just citing the reporting. Read it yourself. So here's the second suspicious interaction here. You have this guy, Papadopoulos, who you've heard of, who is a low-level backbencher Trump foreign policy guy who magically most of the people on the campaign had never heard of. So the New York Times, December 30th, 2017, quote, Headline, <laughs> for those of you at WCBM, you know, <laughs> how the Russia inquiry began. A campaign aide drinks and talks of political dirt. Who's that campaign aide? Papadopoulos. Keep in mind, this is a story about how this counterintelligence investigation into Trump, the, the spying operation begins. The New York Times itself is saying, oh, it was this guy Papadopoulos, and he was in a London bar talking to this guy named Alexander Downer. Keep in mind what we're talking about here. We're talking about people who are communicating with the Trump team who are magically getting the information back to the Clinton team, which is magically making its way in front of the court as justification to spy on the Trump team. I gave you the first guy and the reporting on it. Now this is guy number two. Guy number two is not Papadopoulos. Guy number two winds up talking to the Trump team is this guy, Alexander Downer, this Australian diplomat who's in a bar with Papadopoulos. Now, he's the one who's alleged to have called the FBI or intelligence officials through his Australian counterparts and said, hey, we got something suspicious going on here. This guy, Papadopoulos, is claiming they have dirt, the Russians, on Hillary, which, by the way, the entire known universe had which is a fascinating way to start the most significant counterintelligence investigation in U.S. history based on a, air quotes, tip that everybody in the known universe already knew. Well, what's fascinating about Downer? Here's another piece from Mark Tapscott. Again, all links, folks, all links. Read them yourself, please. Don't take my word for it. Just read the reporting on it. Headline. 
Aussie complaints headed to FBI on Clinton Foundation's dealings down under. Apparently, there's an investigative journalist who found out some what I guess you could call shady money transactions between the Australian government and the Clinton Foundation. Now, here's what's fascinating. Let me read to you from the piece. At the center of Smith's complaints, he's the investigator, are former President Bill Clinton, former Secretary of State and 2016 Democratic presidential nominee Hillary Clinton, and multiple Australian government officials, including senior diplomat Alexander Downer, that government's high commissioner to the United Kingdom. Wow. What a quinky dink. How is that working out? Downer, money, the Clintons, knows the Clintons, familiar with the Clintons, winds up in a London bar with a Trump kid backbencher who seems to know everything about, what, Russian emails or something that the whole universe already heard about? And all of a sudden, the FBI spying on Trump. Wow, wow, that's crazy. Folks, <laughs> you know, one of the mistakes people make all the time is they think in a, in a case you have to prove anything. You don't have to prove anything. You have to prove things beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm not even done yet painting for you the evidence that all of these people are approaching the Trump team have had contact with the Clinton team. I'm just citing the reporting and trying to tell you this is very bizarre, and I don't believe this is all coincidental at all. I've got more on this after the break. I'm Dan Bongino, Infomarco Van, at Bongino on Twitter. Be right back. Liberty's Voice, Mark Levin. Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, Infomark. Yeah, so I think we've been laying out the case, and I hope you're following along at home here, that this was not an accident, the spying operation on Trump. It was not an accident. These players are all interacting with both sides. Media reporting is all out there for you to see on the open Internet. And by the way, my wife let me know the articles are up on my website, which is just my last name, Bongino, B O N. G-I-N-O dot com. They will also be up after the show at MarkLevinShow.com. Read the articles. They're not mine. I don't benefit from them. I don't get paid for you clicking on them. I'm just trying to show you that the reporting is out there for you to connect the dots on your own. That there is a suspicious, suspiciously high amount of interaction between people who are somehow interacting with the Trump team and finding their way back to the Hillary team. While simultaneously the FBI is engaged in a counterintelligence investigation into the Trump team. This is not all coincidence. So who's the third person so we can move on? Because there's an update on this. It's critical since the last show. The third person is actually a, it's this, this guy and his father, these Russian singers, the Agalarovs. They're, excuse me, European singers. They're singers overseas. They know Trump through the Miss Universe pageant. They reach out through a publicist to Don Trump Jr., and they want to set up a meeting, and they're alleging that they have, uh, that, you know, they know people who have information on Hillary. So Trump Jr. 
uh, in the email transaction with the publicist, agrees to the meeting. Nothing happens in the meeting, and Trump Jr., which I think was a good move, later releases the entire email spread about it. But what's fascinating is this: the Agalarovs, these, these people that reach out through the publicist to the Trump team, right? Again, people reaching out to the Trump team. Who is the person they, that they winds up going to this meeting after they say, hey, we got this person who just got information on Hillary. They want to meet with you. Who winds up showing up? Oh, not coincidentally, a lawyer by the name of uh, Veselnitskaya, her last name, who, by the way, is working with Fusion GPS on a separate case uh, involving the Magnitsky Act, who is working with Hillary to get information into the courts that's being used to spy on members of the Trump team. Folks, another, you think just by chance? You think this is just happening randomly? Now, that tablet mag piece discusses some of this as well, that link. It's a lot of reading for you if you read the links, but when you read the links that I'm giving you, it's unmistakable that something happened here. Something happened that was not strictly chance. Folks, why is this important now? Why did I recap the setup on what happened and how I think this was an entrapment operation the entire time? Because, folks, a lot of people had a lot of things to lose. I think this is what you have to understand. I, I, you know, the way I, I can tell if something's a kind of nonsensical conspiracy theory from the start is if it's wrapped up in a neat little package. Someone's like, well, and look, he went to the White House next day, so uh, he signed in, and there you go. He told Obama it all happened. If, that, if it's wrapped up in a neat little bow, my experience is it's probably not true or you missed something. And why? Why is that? Because human beings are messy. They have messy incentives. They do messy things. And even what you would think would be the most skilled tradecraft operators make mistakes when there are personal motives involved. A lot of people had a lot to lose in this. Now, on the tradecraft thing, you think I'm making this up? Look at this. You had the number two guy in the counterintelligence division, an FBI agent, senior manager by the name of Peter Stroke, a guy you would think whose tradecraft in the spy and counter-spying game would be impeccable. He's the number two in the department under Bill Priestep. He's the number two guy. He's texting some ladies having an affair with an FBI lawyer on an open line. Wait, come again? Yes, that actually happened. People are messy. They make bad decisions all the time. They make messy calls. If it's tied up in a neat little bow, there's probably someone trying to fit a square uh, you know, peg into a round hole. I say that because I got a lot of emails after my last uh, sub for Mark, and people said, well, why? Why was the Obama team spying on Trump? It doesn't make sense. Like They thought Trump was going to lose. Everybody thought Trump was going to lose. Nobody took him seriously. Why engage in this counterintelligence investigation? Why this setup operation through Fusion GPS and all these people approaching the Trump team? Why? Because, folks, they couldn't take that chance. Trump was dangerous. But here's this is important. Trump was uniquely dangerous to them. And when I say them, I'm talking about swamp rats on both sides. Remember, there's Republicans involved in this the production of information before the campaign on Trump, too. 
Trump is a unique threat to them. Trump is an outsider. He has never held political office anywhere. He doesn't need their money. He clearly does not have that political focus group guy. You know how you know, they have those commercials, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other? Well, in politics, they have that too. But the angel's usually a focus group you spoke to before you give a speech. And the focus group tells you what to say. Trump didn't care about any of that. He gave speeches for hours off the cuff. He said whatever he wanted. The focus group firewall wasn't there. He was a very unique threat to the entire swamp, Republicans and Democrats alike. They needed an insurance policy. I'm not trying to be funny here, by the way, because that's actually what the lead investigator in the Hillary case and then the guy involved, this same guy, Stroke, by the way, with the terrible tradecraft, he actually texted about an insurance policy. Truth is, I don't know what he meant by that. Could he have meant what I'm talking about? He could have. Could he have meant something else? I don't know. I can't get in his head. But I can tell you conclusively that the swamp needed an insurance policy, and they had to dirty up Trump. The only way to dirty up Trump was going to be to spy on him. But the problem was, all attempts to do so by circumventing judicial restraint. In other words, they didn't have any warrants. They had no hard evidence Trump was colluding with the Russians at all. So what do they do? Hillary and all her consigliaries, Victoria Newland and Sid Blumenthal, all of these people are involved with a company that's interacting with people that are approaching the Trump team like, hey, we got dirt on the Russians. But what's the problem? Nothing happens. Are there bad decisions? Unquestionably. I think a lot of the Trump team members that interacted with some of these people would go back and say, if I could do it over again, I would have never talked to these people at all. I think that's clear as day. But I'm not asking you if the Trump team made bad decisions or telling you. I'm asking you simply, did they make criminal decisions? And the answer throughout this operation of dirty up the Trump team clearly is no. Folks, they don't have anything. They have nothing. Do you understand not one piece of information is leaked out yet? Not one piece about Russian collusion and the, and the Trump team committing any crimes, uh, crimes colluding with the Russians? Not one? Why? Because it's not there. It was never there. Say, so, well, they've got three guilty pleas. Ironically, none related at all to Russian collusion. None. Manafort on some business dealings he had. And, and uh, Flynn, I'm convinced, was set up, by the way. And Papadopoulos for not talking about his conversations with the Russians, which, by the way, were not criminal. So you got the guy for fibbing? I mean, I, I don't know where you want to go with this. There was no evidence. The setup wasn't working. They didn't have anything. Now they had to go the legal route. Now, I'm not saying the moral or ethical high ground here. I'm saying they had to go the legal route because they needed wire, what we would call wiretaps. What is not really a wire. We don't really tap wires anymore, folks. For those of you, um, uh, what, you know, a lot of the older FBI agents, they used to, in the old days, they'd have like alligator clips and stuff like that. They'd actually tap wires. Nobody does that anymore. That's not the way it works. There's 
I mean, everything from transatlantic cables to getting information from Verizon and stuff like that. You don't actually tap wires anymore. But they had to get access. This is the critical uh, point because I don't want to lose you. Because their setup wasn't working to dirty up Trump, because he was such a unique threat to expose them, they had to go the legal route. And the legal route were the applications for the FISA warrant. But here's the problem, folks. They didn't have anything. They didn't have anything. They couldn't go in front of a FISA court judge with nothing. They had a show in court that there was both probable cause that someone on the Trump team was acting on behalf of a foreign agent, and that same person was doing so in violation of a U.S. federal law. They didn't have it. They didn't have it. So they made it up. How did they make it up? They had their handy-dandy buddy in Christopher Steele, who had his handy-dandy dossier at the ready, ready to rock and roll. Folks, the dossier is a hoax. It was made up. But they needed to give the dossier an air of credibility. So you had people, operators within the FBI and the Department of Justice, specifically the National Security Division at the time, who had experience with someone they could use as a patsy, as a fall guy. They said, hey, listen, we need an in here to the Trump team. We better start spying on someone quick because this whole sting operation ain't really working out. We need an in. Someone thought of the bright idea, ah. Trump just hired this guy, Carter Page. Carter Page, why does that name sound familiar to me? Now, if you're John Carlin at the Department of Justice National Security Division, the section of the Department of Justice, coincidentally, I'm with a wink and a nod, not subjected to OIG review, so they can basically do what they want. They're not subjected to Inspector General review, because Sally Yates didn't want it as such, by the way. They say to themselves, John Carlin, the head of that division, I remember that name, Carter Page. Trump just hired this guy. We worked with him on a case a little while ago to go and nail some Russian spies that had approached him. This is great. We've got a Russia connection. What, by the way, what's in that dossier? Oh, a bunch of information about Carter Page in Russia. Is any of it true? Um, no, only the part where he traveled to Russia. Hey, that's good enough. Let's bring it to court and let's legally spy on that dude so maybe we can get some of the Trump team dirtied up through conversations we're now legally listening in on. Folks, Carlin, remember the names. Remember the names. Best investigative tip I ever got. Memorize them because they'll come up later. And if you don't have them at the tip of your tongue, you'll forget the whole thing. Carlin is one of the DOJ officials involved in the case. He's actually on the press release in a case, the United States versus uh, Yevgeny Biryakov. Why should that case matter to you? And how does this relate to the spying on Trump? Who was the informant in that case against Biryakov, who was working on behalf of the Russians in the United States who was prosecuted? The informant was Carter Page. And Carlin's the DOJ guy on the press release. Oh, Carter Page, look, we got our guy. We got it in. Open the door. Camel's nose under tent. Let's go. 
The problem is all the crap in the dossier about Carter Page is garbage except for the fact that he traveled to Russia. I traveled to Russia twice. Am I under FBI surveillance too? No, I'm not kidding. Like that's what it takes now? Page traveled to Russia. Oh, by the way, he had some dealings with Russian spies. Yes, working with the FBI in a case where they nailed these guys. I'm not defending Page, folks. I don't know the dude from Adam. I've never had a conversation with him. I've never brushed up against him. I don't know who he is. All I know is the information in the dossier that was sworn to in court on their fall guy Carter Page, to get a camel's nose under the tent to spy on the Trump team, that information is false. That is not true. He was the fall guy the whole time because the other operation to dirty them up by having Fusion GPS people approach people on the Trump team and dirty them up with all this illicit info on Trump wasn't working. Don Trump Jr. walked out of the meeting. They had to go the legal route. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk about how the dossier, why the dossier matters here. This is important. And I'm also going to talk about the interesting relationships between some of the players in this dossier and how they may have met and how the Clintons, to, to steal one of the greatest lines I've ever heard from Mark Levin, I mean it, they bought a warrant to spy on their political opposition. Greatest line ever. I'm going to tell you how they did that. All right. I'm Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, and for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. Folks, the links I've been talking about to these articles discussing the Entrapment operation against the Trump team are up on my website, Bongino.com, B-O-N-G-I-N-O. They will also be up after the show at MarkLevinShow.com. Please check them out. I just tweeted out the link on my Twitter page, too, um, at DBongino, to the page on my website with these links. Again, they're not mine. They're other people's links. But it's important you read them. When you read them as I have them set up, I have them set up like this. On the framing of the Trump team, and I have five or six articles. On the United Kingdom connection, haven't gotten to that yet. On the reverse targeting, on the FISA abuse, on the setup of Lieutenant General Flynn. Read the pieces, it will all come together. This was clearly a setup. Carter Page was the fall guy. They didn't have anything on Page. They needed to produce it. And who produced it? Well, that's fascinating. Because it was a guy named Christopher Steele. But I have this underlined because I wanted to be sure I got to this today. Folks, Steele was not the source of this information. That is a critical point. Because if you're trying to set up Trump and then set up Carter Page, and you need information on, on Carter Page, you have to get some kind of portfolio file dossier on him. You want it to have an air of credibility, don't don't you? So what better idea than to hire a former British spy who's worked with the FBI before? Wow, that guy'd be great if he says it. It has to be true. Here's the problem. It's not his information. Where he's getting the information from is coming up in the next hour. 
and is going to scramble your eggs and blow your mind. I'm Dan Bongino, Infomarkovin, at Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at DBongino on Twitter. And for Mark, he will be back with you on Monday. Tad bit under the weather. As many of you know, he's been battling uh, an illness this week, but he's a trooper. But uh, we're giving them Friday off here. So, for those of you who listened the last hour, I've caught you up on, I think, what is the most explosive political scandal in modern U.S. history. I mean, really, what? <laughs> we go back to Teapot Dome or something. I mean, this is just staggering what happened here. Now, just to recap the first hour so we know going forward where we're going to go. I'm not rewinding the tape to talk down to the audience. I just want to be sure you all understand exactly where we're going here. The first hour I talked about the setup, the entrapment operation, the effort to frame the Trump team. All of these people approaching the Trump team, again, communicating back to Fusion GPS or communicating back to American Intel through Fusion GPS. These people seem to know the Clintons. It's just <laughs> unbelievably coincidental that they're all approaching the Trump team with bad information. The analogy I use is if you're on a political campaign and a guy who knows your opponent keeps uh, you know, uh, showing up at your fundraisers asking you to rob a bank with him. You think by the third or fourth time he's trying to set you up for your political opponent or what? You're like, yeah, isn't that guy uh, you know, political opponent Joey Bag of Donuts friend? Yeah. Why does he keep asking us to rob a bank with him? Because he's trying to set you up. I gave you those guys. If you missed it and you're just tuning in now, listen to the Mark Levin Show podcast after this. Don't forget it. Now, the articles I've been citing are at my website. Again, Bongino.com. They will be at Mark's website, MarkLevinShow.com, after the show. Read them. All of this will make sense to you. Now, I said to you there that the setup didn't work. They're approaching these people. Hey, you want to rob a bank? We got information on the Russians. We got information on the Russians. It's not taking. Don Jr. walks out of the meeting. They get nothing but a low-level backbencher. The backbencher says, I got. Uh, I heard the Russians have dirt on Hillary. <laughs> that, that's it? That's what you got? They didn't have anything. So they needed a fall guy. The fall guy and the legal avenue to now start legally spying on the Trump team is Carter Page. But why Carter Page? Oh, because Carter Page is already known to the FBI and John Carlin of the Department of Justice National Security Division because they worked with him on a case where they nabbed Russian spies. Perfect. He just joined the Trump team. We got her in. But we need information first. We don't have enough to go and get a warrant on Carter Page. We need information. What conveniently shows up? The dossier. Now, Andy McCarthy at National Review has a brilliant piece in a series of brilliant pieces he's done on this uh, material. And in one specific piece, he talks about the biggest misconception in this case being a fictitious legal <laughs> legal term called vi vicarious credibility. In other words, it's, there's no such thing as vicarious credibility. What does Andy mean? They didn't have anything on Carter Page, folks. 
They had maybe a series of bad decisions. They had maybe some interaction with Russians. Folks, none of that is illegal. Espionage is illegal. Traveling to Russia, doing business in Russia, and talking to Russians, news flash for you police state liberal clowns, is not illegal. May not be advisable, but it ain't illegal and ain't a word in this case. It's not illegal. They didn't have anything to spy on him legally. They needed probable cause he was a foreign agent and that he was acting on behalf of that foreign agent in violation of the U.S. law. They didn't have it. They need a dossier. They need information. Sure enough, here comes Hillary Clinton, Fusion GPS, and former British spy Christopher Steele. Now, what the media is reporting is that, oh, Christopher Steele was credible, folks. He was credible. He was a former spy. He had worked with the FBI before on the International Soccer Federation or whatever it was, that case with the soccer he had worked on. He's credible. He has a history of working with the FBI before. That's not wrong, folks. That's not wrong. That is correct. The problem is it's not Steele's information. He didn't see any of this. All Steele is, is the purveyor of, this is critical, other people's info. There is no vicarious credibility. In other words, Steele could be Mother Teresa if he's relaying the information of someone else who's a drug-addicted crackhead, then that's the person whose credibility matters, not Mother Teresa. It's not Steele's information, folks. He's getting the information from others, and this is where this thing starts to stink to the heavens. Steele's getting the information from two particular avenues. Keep in mind what we're talking about here. We're talking about information. The Democrats, the DNC, Hillary Clinton, the Obama administration, the Justice Department, and the Bureau need to now formally spy on a member of the Trump team. They don't have it. They have to go fishing. They get it from Steele, but who Steele gets it from is critical because there is no vicarious credibility here. Steele gets it from two sources. Russians, no, I'm not kidding, folks. The information <laughs> comes from Russians. I thought Russian collusion was a bad thing. Apparently, when you're colluding with the Russians to interfere in a U.S. election, it's okay when you're a Democrat. But when you're a Republican, even though you don't have any evidence of that, the Democrats, they can throw those charges out there. This is incredible. Steele's get, Folks, I'm not making this up. He's getting the information from Russian sources. He's also getting the information from Sid Blumenthal. Wait, who? I told you in the last hour when I was a federal agent myself conducting investigations... Best tip I ever got in my life was memorize. Memorize the names because you'll see them later inevitably. And if you don't have them committed to memory, you'll forget their role in the scheme. Now, you may say, how do you know all these names, Dan? Well, I'm writing a book on this now. That's why this is I've been reborn with this thing, folks. I feel like I'm back in my old Secret Service days because I've been so disturbed by the, you know, ter the police state actions that took place under the Obama administration. I feel a responsibility to get the information out there. But the second track that I'm talking about here, he's getting the information. First is the Russians. Secondly, he's getting it from Sid Blumenthal. 
Now, if you have memorized that name in prior interactions with the Clintons or in your political research, you'll know that Sid Blumenthal is a known associate of the Clintons, nicknamed Sid Vicious. Sid Blumenthal was so disliked by the Obama administration and so beloved by the Clintons that Hillary tried to get Sid a job when she was appointed Secretary of State and confirmed, and even Obama said no. I'm not making that up. The Obama team was like, eh, ixnay, this guy's not for us. He has quite a reputation. Blumenthal, it has now been disclosed by multiple media reports. Again, check them out at my website. They're there. You can read them yourself. Blumenthal was passing the information to Steele through conduits himself. Folks, this you know what money laundering is, right? When you pass a bunch of money through legal corporations. Say you earn money from drug dealing, right? You earn money illegally. You launder it. You clean it through a number of legal places, a dry cleaner, whatever it may be, to make it appear like it's legally earned money. What was happening here was information laundering. The information was coming from the Russians, and the information was coming from Clinton people themselves. To get it into the justice system, to spy on the Trump team, they had to launder it. They had to wipe it clean. How did they do it? Well, what's fascinating here is how it's multiple times removed from the court. But Blumenthal, Blumenthal's operating in Libya, where Benghazi is. I'm not. I'm just telling you that's where Benghazi is. I'm not. Don't don't take anything from that yet. I'm not. Uh, or else we're going to lose each other. Blumenthal's operating in Libya. He's consulting with a company. A company that would financially benefit from chaos in Libya. They would supply, say, uh, let's say goods and services that if there was a war in chaos, this company would benefit from it. Blumenthal's consulting with this company in Libya. Blumenthal is also sending information about what's going on with Libya. Please follow me here to Hillary Clinton. As a matter of fact, reporting on this, done, by the way, by liberal outlets, indicates that up to a third of the intelligence Hillary Clinton's receiving on Libya is coming in from Sid Blumenthal, who is also providing information for the dossier used to spy on the Trump team. Here's the connection. That should rattle you a little bit. They have to launder that info. Why? Because Christopher Steele cannot tell the FBI that the information he has on Carter Page and the other people on the Trump team came from Sid Blumenthal. They would have laughed at him. So the information has to be laundered. So a second dossier is created. And some of that information in the second dossier winds up in the hands of a guy named Jonathan Weiner. Jonathan Weiner is another associate of the Clintons, friend of John Kerry's, who is working in the State Department conveniently as a special envoy to Libya, where Blumenthal is already operating, not as a government contractor, as a private citizen who stands to benefit from chaos in Libya, who's also feeding information to Hillary, who later obviously is involved in the Benghazi debacle, terror attack disaster. Folks, it's not a conspiracy theory, okay? I'm not trying to tie this up for you in a neat little bow. Please don't infer too much from it. But what I am telling you 
is a lot of people had a lot of things to hide if Donald Trump were to be elected president of the United States. He was a renegade, an outcast. He was not a political player. He didn't need their money, their influence, or their butt-kissing. All of the information that Blumenthal was sending to Hillary, did that factor into Benghazi? I don't know. All I know is nobody wanted it out there because Hillary's got 30,000 missing emails right now. They're not really missing, by the way. But that's a whole other show. I'll get to that some other time. A lot of people had their fingers dirty. They had incentives to get Trump dirty. Blumenthal shuttles this information. It winds up going through a whiner over at the State Department, who coincidentally is in Libya too, operating in Libya. And it winds up making its way back to the FBI. By the way, folks, reported on by the Washington Post, not Dan Bongino. I did not make this up. Weiner just wrote an op-ed, as a matter of fact, trying to defend himself for transferring information to the FBI. Folks, this thing stinks. All right, I've got to take a break. On the other side of this break, I'm going to... Get, I'm going to get even deeper down this rat hole, and you'll see how ugly this situation really is and how ugly it's going to get. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin, at D. Bongino on Twitter. Mark Levin. Show Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for the great one. He will be back with you on Monday, a little bit under the weather. So jumping right back in. We've been talking about the show. The Obama team spied on the Trump team. This was a setup the whole time. The, let's say, illicit avenue of trying to engage in sting operations, whether it was through Fusion GPS or what, is not working. So now they need a legal avenue to spy. So Carter Page was their guy. They were going to take him down, but they needed information, and the dossier was the information that filled that hole. But the dossier was a hoax. It was a hoax. The information came from the Russians, who had every interest in dishing out fake information because the Russians engage in intelligence mutually assured destruction. Just like they have nuclear weapons, no one plans on using them first, but you want them in case the other guy does. You mutually assure each other's destruction. The Russians both gather information and sow chaos in elections because that's what the Russians do. They play the vig, just like a bookie. They win when anyone bets because they have information and they sow disinformation. That's what they do. And the lapdog Christopher Steele sucked it up and passed it on through the Clinton campaign, who passed it on to the FBI to spy on Carter Page. Now, let me ask you a fascinating question about Carter Page for the liberals who are trying to rewrite history, because the liberal police staters out there, and you are police staters, don't run from it, own it, love it, be it. Liberals are now the party of the police state. That's you. Just Hester Prynne, tattoo it on your head. You are the police staters now. They've tried to change the story now a thousand times. If you've listened to the first hour, I told you, this is where Mark got into it with them. Mark cited their own articles. Look, they're spying on Trump. When the media was trying to prove Trump was engaged in Russian collusion, when they found out it didn't happen, 
All of a sudden, the media had to get away from the fact that Obama was spying on Trump because that was the scandal and the Trump team didn't do anything. So now they had to try to, you know, semi-retract their own reporting. This is where now they're trying to rewrite history again. Now they're trying to say, oh, the Obama team wasn't spying on the Trump team. They were simply spying on Carter Page. Oh, okay. And now I call it the Carter Page is the boogeyman narrative. Again, folks, don't know Carter Page. Never met him. Not dying on the Carter Page Hill. No idea who the dude is. But I know this. If Carter Page is the boogeyman the liberals want you to believe he is, why the hell is he on cable news without a lawyer and is he still free? Chew on them apples. Why, number two, was he used in 2013 by the FBI as a informant in a case against a guy named Evgeny Baryakov? The FBI used Page as an asset. So you're telling me now the FBI used a Russian asset, Carter Page, to arrest Russian assets? And by the way, he's out on cable news all over the place in Good Morning America or whatever talking about it? Folks, do you understand the level of stupidity? You have to drop 50 IQ points for that to make sense. Carter Page is the boogeyman on TV with no lawyer, by the way. The very same boogeyman the FBI used to nail Russian spies in 2013. Gosh, you can't be this stupid if you believe that. Of course they don't. They just need a new boogeyman, and Carter Page is the fall guy. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. The liberals want to silence, but you can talk to Mark at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, out of the bullpen for Mark. He'll be back with you on Monday's Little Under the Weather. Folks, again, the articles I've been referencing on the show, especially the ones coming up in this segment, they're up at my website now, thanks to my lovely wife. It's my last name, B-O-N-G-I-N-O, Bongino.com. You'll see them there. It says the Obamagate files. They will also be up at MarkLevinShow.com. Please log on if you're in the car to Mark's site after the show, and you can get these links. It's important you see them because it documents out what I've been telling you for the entire show. The Obama team spied on the Trump team and tried every illicit, legal, and questionable way to do it because they needed Trump to go away. And if he didn't, they need impeachable offenses immediately to get rid of him. Now, liberals, you may be saying, well, they would have been left with Mike Pence. I like Mike Pence a lot, and he would be a very effective president. But I don't think, and I don't mean this as an insult at all to Mike Pence, at all. He's a great man. I don't think liberals were as concerned, the liberals in the Obama administration and the swamp rats, because Flynn was a, had been a politician before. I think their unique fear of Trump and the reason they spied and, and threw away morals and ethics, the Fourth Amendment and the Constitution, which they used as toilet paper to nail Donald Trump and frame him, was because he was such a unique threat, because he was such a renegade. He clearly wasn't bound by traditional norms of politics. 
The idea that they could be exposed for everything that had happened. And again, I'm not going to tie this up for you in a neat little bow because it's ugly. We had dealings with Uranium One. We had trips by Bill Clinton overseas to Kazakhstan. Kazakh Uranium winding up in the hands of a donor who donates back to Bill Clinton after he profits handsomely. We have Hillary Clinton speaking about the transaction to the Kazakhs. We have Hillary on a board approving the sale of uranium. Oh, it was just me and a few other people. Conveniently, that board's never told about an ongoing racketeering case involving the same Uranium One players. Who's the United States attorney prosecuting that case? Rod Rosenstein. Who's the FBI director? Bob Mueller. By the way, who was Bob Mueller's chief of staff? John Carlin. Who is John Carlin? He's the guy involved in the prosecution case of the Russian spies using who? Carter Page. You see what I'm doing here? You may say, gosh, Dan, these people all know each other. That's what the swamp is. That's what the swamp, what do you think the swamp is? Of course they know each other. They eat foie gras together. Carlin was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. Mueller's the special counsel investigating Trump for collusion that never happened. Folks, this thing is... It's interweaved so deeply, I can't tie it up for you in a neat little bow. I can only tell you, remember the names, memorize them, because they will come up again later. You want me to throw, let me throw another one at you. Victoria Newland, another Clinton acolyte, works in the State Department at an, I think, assistant, uh, assistant level. She's, she's basically one step down from Kerry. Victoria Nuland is on the weekend shows this week talking about handing information to the FBI about Trump. Who's Victoria Nuland? Victoria Nuland was conveniently the chief of staff to a guy named Strobe Talbot, who was the deputy secretary of state under Bill Clinton. Who's Strobe Talbot's brother-in-law? Cody Shear. Who's Cody Shear? Cody Shear is a partner with Sid Blumenthal. Who's Sid Blumenthal? Sid Blumenthal's the guy who's giving information to Christopher Steele that makes it into a dossier, which makes it into the FBI's hands to spy on Trump. They were all going to go down. All of them. They didn't fear Rubio. I'm not knocking Marco Rubio. I don't, I don't, I'm, I've, I've seen the guy in Greaves, a nice guy, fine, whatever. They didn't fear these other guys running for president. These guys had been involved in They didn't fear Kasich. He was a swamp guy, too. Granted, they wanted Hillary to win, but they, had, they didn't think Kasich was going to dig into what happened in Libya and the information exchange between Blumenthal and Hillary and how Blumenthal would have profited from chaos there. They weren't going to look into Newland's connections to Cody Shear, Cody Shear's connections to Blumenthal, Blumenthal's connections to the dossier. They weren't going to look at Rosenstein's connection to the prosecution of the racketeering people involved with Uranium One and why those people were muzzled in a Friday night plea deal. They weren't going to look into any of that. But Trump to them was a loose cannon. And I mean that as a compliment. He was a unique threat. He had to be taken down before he could even stand up. So they threw the kitchen sink at him. 
There was an old ice cream shop where I grew up. Uh, was it Nathan's or whatever? No, Jan's. Jan's. Nathan's was the hot dog joint, obviously. Jan's. I remember. It was down at the end of Myrtle Avenue. I don't even know if it's still open. And they had this ice cream thing called the kitchen sink. It was like everything. Strawberry, chocolate, vanilla, bananas, nuts, berries, whatever. They threw the kitchen sink at them. They threw everything at and nothing worked. They started approaching him with people. Oh, Agalarov, listen, uh, we got to send this Russian lawyer to meet with Don Trump Jr. They got information on Hillary. Don Trump Jr. walks out of the meeting. That didn't work. They try to nail Papadopoulos, this guy Downer who knows the Clintons and is involved with the transfer of money from the Australian government to the Clinton Foundation. He calls American Intel. Hey, this guy Papadopoulos told me about some Russian dirt. That didn't work. There was nothing there. This singer approaches a publicist who, who approaches Trump. Hey, we're going to send this Russian lawyer. The Russian lawyer is working with Fusion GPS. Nothing. There's no there there. Then they try the dossier. They need to spy on someone in the Trump team. They have to do it now using the FISA court. Notice, this is critical. They do not go through the criminal courts. There are two different ways to spy, spy on us. Let's just say wiretap. I guess that's not the technical word, but for the sake of the audience who is not involved in federal law enforcement, there are two ways to wiretap someone. You can go the criminal route via Title III of the U.S. Code. The criminal route, you have to produce probable cause that this wiretap is going to assist your investigation, that this guy is a criminal or woman, and that you've exhausted all other less intrusive means. They don't have any of that. They have nothing. So someone thinks up the genius idea. Let's use the Fisk Court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. Why? It's a secret. The proceedings are secret. Nobody will know what's going on. Remember the Ren and Stimpy episode, Where They Go? Nobody knows. Nobody knows anything. Let's use the FISA Court. All we need is probable cause that Carter Page is a foreign agent in violation of U.S. law. Oh, I have an idea. Page worked with us, with the Bureau. He worked with us on a case once, nailing some Russian spies. Let's use him. And by the way, we need some information, but you better launder it first. We need some information that says Carter Page is the boogeyman. Go get the dossier. We got it. We got it. Where did it come from? It came from a British spy. And by the way, we've worked with him before. And this guy's reliable. Oh, is it his information? No, it's not. Where did he get it? Oh, the Russians. And Hillary people. Wait, what? Come again? Folks, <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory when it actually happened. There's no David Duchovny, Jillian Anderson in this. There's no cigarette smoking, man. This actually happened. The players in this actually exist. The players in this are on tape talking about what they know happened. They're now writing op-eds to desperately cover their tracks, just like the media is desperately covering their tracks for being the Pravda propaganda machine to cover the biggest scandal in U.S. history to cover up for it which is exactly what they did. I told you what they did first. When they were fed the focus group tested talking point that Trump was guilty of collusion, they ran with the story, Trump's under surveillance. The FBI is watching Trump. Look how guilty he is. They also ran with another story, which I'm going to get to in a second.
that they're all running from now, too. But they ran with that story until they hit a wall and found out, we were lied to. There's no collusion. What the hell do we do now? <gasps> Let's reinvent the Carter Page boogeyman. Let's pretend those stories we wrote didn't happen. Folks, they called Mark a conspiracy theorist for citing their own headlines. The New York Times, Trump was wiretapped. The New York Times, I don't think Trump was wiretapped. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory if it actually happened. Now, part deux to this, because this is important. Another avenue which the media widely reported on, folks, widely, and I'm talking about the left-wing media, was the United Kingdom connection to this. There is a significant foreign intelligence connection to the spying operation on Trump that now is taboo to discuss, but not for me, because I'm just going to cite to you left-wing articles from left-wing media outlets that discussed it themselves. I don't have to talk about anything. Now, these are the links that you absolutely must read to these news articles. They are at my website. I'm not, folks, I'm not, listen, I don't even sell ads on my website, okay? I just want you to read them. It's my last name, Bongino, B-O-N-G-I-N-O.com. Read them. It's titled On the UK Connection. These will also be available at MarkLevinShow.com, right after the show. Read the pieces. Just read, don't even read the pieces, just read the headlines. It's subheaded On the United Kingdom Connection. Why is this important? Because the spying operation on Trump, the setup wasn't working. These people are approaching the Trump team with all this, oh, we got dirt, we got dirt. They're not biting. Nobody's biting. They don't have anything. At the same time, they're like, well, let's go get something. Let's make up this dossier. Hey, Sid Blumenthal available? Let's go get some information from the Russians and from Clinton consiglieries that we can then get to the FBI after we launder the information. But the Obama administration desperately needs leads on the Trump team because they have to dirty this guy up. They've got to make this dude go away. He is an existential threat to everything they've done under their eight years in office, from the IRS scandal on down. So another operation is going on at the same time. We have the setup, we have the dossier, and then we have a third operation. Let me just cite to you some headlines. Now, folks, again, in case you think I'm making this up, please go to the website, uh, Bongino.com, MarkLevinShow.com after the show. Read them yourself. April 14th, 2017, CNN Politics. That's CNN. Not CMM, not some parody site. This is the actual CNN.com site. The article's still there. The link will still get you to this piece. It has not been retracted. Headline, British intelligence passed Trump Associates' communications with Russians on to U.S. counterparts. Wait, well, wait, wait, uh, hold on, come again? British intelligence passed Trump Associates' communications with the Russians on to U.S. counterparts? So now foreign intelligence operatives are spying on a U.S. presidential candidate and the Obama administration's rocking and rolling with this? I'm just... Quoting the headline. Oh, you're making it up. It's a conspiracy theory. Really? Is CNN in on it? You think this is a spoof link like I made this up? Oh, you say, well, that's not enough. CNN, they're a bunch of right-wingers. Let me read you one more before this break. Headline. This one's from The Guardian. 
This is not the Fox News of Europe. This is a left-wing outlet. <laughs> Headline, British spies were first to spot Trump team's links with Russia. Oh, uh, that, gee, I, I don't, you, you think I made that one up too? That's the Guardian. That's like the CNN of, of, of Europe. You think I made that up? I'm just giving you the reporting. Now, on the other side of this break, I'm going to explain to you another fascinating coincidence here about this now three-rail operation going on to set up and frame the Trump team the entire time. This one's really going to scramble your eggs. Don't go anywhere. I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. Filling it for Mark. We'll be back with you on Monday. All right, I want to get to a quick call here, but just uh, breaking news now. Uh, looks like Donald Trump, uh, President Trump, will not will not declassify the Democrat memo. Now, this is important. At the beginning of the next hour, I'm going to explain to you what happened here and how these dogs in the Democrat Party, what they did here. Because this is critical. You can expect the talking points now. Look, look, they're hiding something. No, no, no. I'm going to explain that to you. Have no fear. But I do want to take a call. Let's go to John in D.C. John, i got about a minute here. What do you got for us? Hi, Dan. Thanks for all your service to our country. I've lived here for 24 years in D.C., and I don't dispute one fact that you've gone over, but there's no way that anything is going to happen to any of these uh, Democrats because they have their fingers in so many things that I just can't see them getting too much getting enough traction to make anything happen john here's where i i I appreciate that but um and i get it they've gotten away the slick willie and the clintons for so long and a lot of the democrat machine that it's not unreasonable for you to suggest that they're probably going to get away with this again but here's where i want all of the justice seekers out there and liberty lovers from both parties and by the way there are a lot of progressives who are very upset at what happened here. Believe me, they're on my Facebook page. I know some of you may be laughing. I'm telling you it's true. Here's the problem, and this is what makes this specific case different, John. There's a paper trail, a real, genuine, court-signed-off-on transcript paper trail. And not only is there a paper trail, there is a paper trail that has been used to target and violate the constitutional rights of what we now at least it appears highly likely, are innocent American citizens. Why does that matter? That matters because, yes, you know what, we may not see handcuffs on anyone. May. And I'm not even convinced that's not going to happen. But I can most assuredly tell you the tidal wave of civil lawsuits that's going to come ashore by people who were spied on, in this case on the Trump team, is going to be devastating. And let me tell you something. The Obama White House has absolutely nowhere to hide on this. They are not going to be able to claim plausible deniability when people start getting sued. It is the lawsuit in the United Kingdom against Christopher Steele that blew this thing wide open. So, John, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I get it. I understand a lot of you are feeling helpless in this. But put a smile on your face if you're looking for justice. Because justice is coming in this case. I'm absolutely sure of it. It is just going to take time to do right. There is a paper trail that cannot be burned on this. There is no more plausible deniability. 
I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. In for Mark Levin. He'll be back with you on Mondays, a little under the weather, folks. Um, breaking while we're on, I, I, you can't make this up. Breaking while we're on the air, Fox News alert, the New York Times, I told you, I love reporting when left-wing outlets report this stuff. New York Times, U.S. spies paid $100,000 to a Russian selling dirt on Trump. What have I been telling you the entire... Folks, I obviously did not coordinate this with Ed Henry from Fox News, okay? I've been telling you for the entire show... This was a setup, a sting operation on Trump. Oh, there's Philippe Reigns from the Clinton campaign. We love Philippe. We love him. He will defend the Clintons no matter what. Look at him. There he is, Philippe. Always there to tell you, oh, shucks, the Clintons didn't do anything. Oh, shucks. The great right-wing conspiracies at it again. Folks, this was a setup. This was a setup the whole time. There were three parallel tracks. There were the various attempts by people connected to Fusion GPS, therefore connected to the Hillary campaign, to dirty up the Trump team by saying, we got stuff on the Russians. You want a bite? I'll reel you right in. There's the legal track using Carter Page as a vehicle to spy on him through the FISA courts with a fake dossier. Legal, I don't mean moral or ethical. It's illicit nonetheless. And there's a third track, which I alluded to before the break. I still got to get to the memo. I got a ton of stuff. Don't go anywhere to get to one. The Dem memo, he's not going to declassify it now, Trump. I'll get to that in a second. But this is important that I tie this up. The third track is the exchange of information from foreign intelligence assets friendly to the United States to American intelligence assets about Trump. Think about what they're doing here. By the way, already reported on by CNN, The Guardian. If you heard the last hour, the links are up at my website, Bongino.com. They'll be up at MarkLevinShow.com right after the show. Read the articles yourself from CNN. Read the articles from The Guardian about U.K. intelligence assets spying on the Trump team and passing the information to the United States. You don't have to take my word for it. Don't care. Just read the pieces. Now... What's fascinating is, again, another one of these amazing coincidences in this case. I already cited to you the CNN article and the Guardian article about the U.K. and other uh, foreign intelligence entities effectively spying on the Trump campaign and passing the information to the United States. Here's another one of these uh, coincidences, let's say. An article at ITV.com, January 23rd, 2017. By the way, the United Kingdom... Equivalent of the NSA over there is the GCHQ. 
the General Communications Headquarters. That is effectively the United Kingdom's NSA. That is the entity that's alleged to have worked with the United States in passing some information about Trump back to their intelligence brethren in the United States. What happens coincidentally right after Trump's elected? The head of the GCHQ has announced he is to step down as head of the intelligence agency. He's intending to leave for personal reasons. He'd just been appointed a couple years earlier. He thought this was the right time to move on. Apparently got out of there to the surprise of many other folks who thought that was highly unusual he would leave so quickly. Why did that happen? Oh, shucks. Folks, we cannot continue to exist as a constitutional republic if we're all going to agree that the very constitution we live by is a Kleenex tissue to blow your nose in or a roll of toilet paper to clean yourself up after a bathroom incident. That Fourth Amendment has got to mean something. If the Fourth Amendment doesn't have teeth, the Constitutional Republic as we know it no longer exists. The Republic exists, just not as we know it anymore. A presidential candidate from the opposing party of Barack Obama was spied on. None of that is in dispute. The only thing in dispute is how it happened. I've been making the case to you for this entire show that how it happened is the most disgusting, disturbing story and the biggest political scandal I've ever heard in my lifetime. I have not slept a good night's sleep since this happened. I'm not being dramatic. I'm saying because I'm putting together a book on this. And every morning I wake up with a new stunning revelation and having to deal with clowns like Philippe Reigns on Fox News, who will, it doesn't matter what amount of evidence or what bombshell drops in this, they will always defend the crown with the Clintons and the Obama administration. Folks, they are guilty as sin. They were spying on the Trump team. It is patently obvious because he was a unique threat to them. He was a unique threat to that entire swamp. Now, breaking tonight, because this is important. There was a dueling memo war going on here. Devin Nunez released his memo last week. The memo had no sources and methods or national security compromising information in it. Read it yourself. It's out there for you to see. Tell me anything in there that would sacrifice sources and methods or put the uh, United States' national security at risk. There isn't any. What the dossier and what the subsequent, uh, excuse me, with the memo and what the subsequent Grassley memo describes are the process by which the FISA court was abused to spy on Trump. It's as simple as that. That is what the memo lays out. That the bulk of the information used to spy on the Trump team the bulk of that information was obtained via a ruse. The ruse being that the information came from Steele when, in fact, the information was just given to Steele by others. Steele was, Steele was another fall guy. we got to use this guy. He was a former British spy. We need something to lend credibility to this. The Democrats put together their own memo. Why? Which is fascinating, by the way, because prior to the release of the Nunez memo, the Democrats' talking point, these Durant, I'm not talking about Democrat voters or listeners out there. Please don't take this the wrong way. I'm talking about the savages on Capitol Hill who have engaged in one of the most disgusting spying operations in American history, will not admit they're wrong. By the way, wasn't the vote like 
70 to nothing or something. I don't know who abstained or whatever when they, uh, with the Watergate thing, when they wanted to nail Nixon. Even Republicans were like, hey, time to go. The Democrats defend the crown. Spying? We're the police staters. We got to defend our guys. So what did they do? They released their own memo. And in a way only sick, deranged Capitol Hill Democrats can do, what did they do to create another talking point? In their memo, they inserted a bunch of sources and methods type information that would put our national security basically at risk, knowing what was going to happen. That Trump's not going to sign off on that. Now you say, I don't get it, Dan. So the Democrats are releasing their own memo, trying to defend their police state spying operation, because they are police staters now. They are anti-civil liberties advocates. Make no mistake, you own it, Dems. Put it on all your campaign signs. Democrats, civil liberties? Hell no. Put that on all your signs. You own it. Love it, own it, be it. It's you. They need to release their own memo to defend the crown. But their own memo, as I said to that caller, John, in the last hour, when he was asking me, is anybody going to be held responsible for this? I said, yes, they will. Because the difference now, folks, is there is a court-transcribed paper trail that will never go away. There is massive civil liability here. There is legal liability on the criminal side here, potentially. Devastating criminal liability. This won't go away. So the Democrats, in releasing their memo, can't unfact the fact. If the dossier was sworn to in court and, in fact, comprised the bulk of the information presented to the court to spy on the Trump team, it's in a transcript. They can't make it disappear. So they have to do what Capitol Hill Democrats do. They have to lie. And they do it expertly. They're so skilled. It's incredible. So they said, I've got an idea, fellas. Let's put together our own memo and let's put a bunch of classified stuff that's going to put the U.S. in danger in the memo, knowing Trump will redact it, or as he did tonight, not declassify, because he's not going to put the nation at risk or sensitive assets. And then what do we do? Now, go to their Twitter accounts, because they will be releasing tweets. I guarantee it. Go to Adam Schiff, Eric Swalwell, all these Democrat jokers. Go to their Twitter accounts and watch their public appearances. Here's going to be their talking point now. Get out ahead of it. They're going to say, look, Trump won't declassify because he's hiding something. Unbelievably clever, evil, devious. But that's what they do, folks, because they can't. Hide. There's a transcript. People went into court and swore that the dossier provided by Hillary Clinton associates, Sid Blumenthal, and Russians who breaking tonight, New York Times, spy agencies in the United States paid for information on Trump. Information from the Russians and Hillary consigliere's We're in that dossier. It was a hoax. They have nowhere to go. There is no plausible deniability for the White House. There is no plausible deniability for the Clinton campaign. They hired these people. There's an email trail. Folks, the goose is cooked. All they can do is sacrifice their own national security in a memo 
begging and hoping Trump doesn't declassify it so they can move on to their next talking point, which is Trump is hiding something. Yeah. Yeah, he's hiding potential destruction and death for the United States that you guys thought would be a good idea to put in a memo, you dopes. Folks, this is the biggest scandal in modern U.S. history. Go look at the links yourself. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, Infomarkle Van, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. To the Mark Levin Show, Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Infomark could be back with you on Monday. All right, folks, I've got a lot more. I know we're running up against the end of the show soon, but I've got a lot more. I don't want you to go anywhere, but I do want to fit in some calls. People have been patiently waiting, and I want to talk about you know in the next segment before we get off the air today this fourth track that was going on as well in this operation to spy on Trump and this breaking news story from the New York Times, which is just. Mind effectively blown. All right, let's go to Kevin in Manhattan. Kevin, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Hey, Dan. Thank you for your work in the past, and thank you even more so for what you're doing now. You're doing a great oh, job. Thanks, Bob. Um, and also, thanks for that callback to Jans in Brooklyn. I uh, You remember I that? To, that place uh, had, was money. I went to one in uh, Georgetown and also in uh, Bensonhurst, and I worked there as a cop, and I retired back in '04. <laughs> but uh, what a callback. Listen, it really worries me. Once this gets, uh, it's got feet now, but once it gets going up real strong and then it starts getting, you know, the indictments start coming down. What worries me is that the Democrats, and this is a callback to the, a throwback to the other caller. What happens if the Democrats have the judges and the prosecutors wrapped around their fingers? And then what's going to happen to the cases? They're going to throw the cases, they're going to screw up the cases, and nothing's going to happen there, too. How do they prevent that? Well, I mean, Kevin, fair enough question, but I mean, if that's the case, the republic as we know it's already gone. I mean, if the if every, if every judge that touches the case and United States attorney uh, that touches the case is is corrupted themselves, and I mean, it's, it's over. And I, I'll tell you what, Kevin, I I, I don't believe that though. I don't think that's going to be an issue here. Um, you know, I worked in the federal government, worked with the NYPD, and. You always get some knuckleheads, and in this case, you had people who did really stupid things in the DOJ and at the upper-level management of the FBI. But let me give you just um, a piece of good news, because I know the show could be quite macabre tonight, giving you all this bad information about what happened to the Trump team. Um, the sources I've had in this case, the reason I know all this is not uh, – I'm trying to be delicate here. Um, there are people on the inside now who are just as – PO'd, as you and I are, about what happened in their name. Whether it's a three-letter agency or elsewhere, there are people on the inside who I've spoken to who are like, hell no, that ain't happening. Matter of fact, a piece of information I put out there today about the potential trafficking and classified information over unclassed devices amongst some folks in federal law enforcement involved in this case, which creates some very perverse incentives, is interesting as well, and comes from people particularly annoyed about why it happened. So does that make sense? There are people on the inside who are really upset. Am I correct in thinking that the New York Times is starting to spoon-feed people and trying to, like, um, come around finally and, and, like, let little bits out that they're finally going to start reporting the true story here? Um, I think the New York Times has a significant problem on its hands. 
The New York oh. Times and and other left leaning media outlets like uh, Brian Stelter, the the uh, the CNN oh, wackadoo, have oh, spent the entire year calling people like me and Mark Levin and everyone else conspiracy theorists and crazy. And the problem they're having, Kevin, is that everything we said was going to happen and did happen, in fact, happened. So it's not an unreasonable question. Um, but, no, I don't think they're having a road to Damascus moment here, the New York Times. I think the New York Times is making a, a business decision to say right now, okay, fellas, um, this is not ideological at all. The facts are just simply overwhelming. And at some point, do you really want to be on the wrong side of the Watergate of this generation? I mean, <laughs> that's what it looks like, sure. Yeah, well, okay, Kevin, thanks a lot. I appreciate the call, man. Thanks for your service, buddy. I appreciate all the kind words. But, folks, that, that's my that's my theory on that, is that the Times, this is not some kind of, you know, moral or ethical thing. Where, hey, we got to do the right thing. we got to tell the truth about the spying operation on Trump. That's not what's happening. The New York Times is realizing that history is not going to be kind to them, and they are going to be absolutely humiliated by the truth when this all comes out. Because, folks, this is going to come out. I can't say this to you enough. There are records. There are transcripts. This stuff happened. You can't hide it in Benghazi. It happened in an American court. What you said in that court and what you swore was true is on a transcript. There will be no escaping this. They will have to account as to why you made a man the enemy of the state. Why did you do that, the Trump team? Why did you make them enemies of the state? Folks, there's more. Don't go anywhere. I've got a lot more information to get to. It's critical you understand this so I can sum up and wrap up the case for you. There's another fourth track that was going on here you're not going to want to miss. I'm Dan Bongino, at DBongino on Twitter. InfoMark. We'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. I'll be back with you on Mondays, a little under the weather. Folks, my mind is um, effectively blown. I think I'm, I have a, a piston ring that may have fallen apart. I'm not kidding. During the break, while I've been doing this show with you, information's been breaking on the air. Trump will not declassify the memo now because there's apparently sources and methods in there that will endanger us, which I absolutely believe the Democrats did intentionally. But secondly, there is a New York Times explosive report that just broke. The Slimes put out a piece, and I've read it now, and it's, it's funny how it's couched. And the report now is that U.S. spy assets offered to pay a million dollars for, to a Russian, basically a Russian guy who had compromising information on Trump, who was known to be involved with the Russian intelligence community. Uh, <laughs> what? Wait, say that again? But the report is couched in this, well, they really weren't looking for the information on Trump. Matter of fact, they didn't even want it. It was really about NSA spy tools this guy said he had. Oh, it was. Okay, because the New York Times has been so accurate on their reporting before. Now, there's a paragraph at the end of this piece. I had, a, Folks, I had a motor through it during the break. 
It's not easy doing live radio, especially when you're updating people on a case where there's a bombshell released every 10 minutes. There's a paragraph at the end that if you took my advice and you memorized the names, is going to blow your mind. Haven't even got to the fourth track yet. This is important. Let me read this for you from the Times piece, just breaking. American spies are not the only ones who have dealt with Russians claiming to have secrets to sell. Keep in mind, this is about American spy intelligence assets now paying money for compromising material to Russians on Trump. This broke tonight in the slimes, okay? Cody Shearer, an American political operative with ties to the Democrat Party, has been crisscrossing Eastern Europe for more than six months to secure the purported compromise or compromising information from a different Russian, said people familiar with the efforts, speaking on the condition of anonymity to avoid damaging their relationship with him. You may say, I don't get it. If you were listening earlier in the show, some light bulbs may be going off right now. So you have American intelligence assets. I've already told you there's a spying operation that happened on Trump. It happened multiple ways. It happened through an attempted legal avenue through the dossier in the FISA court spying on Carter Page. It happened via liberal media's reporting themselves of foreign intelligence assets in the United Kingdom and others passing information on Trump through intelligence assets in America. It happened through the attempted setup of the Trump team, through people who were talking to Fusion GPS and trying to uh, entrap the Trump team at the same time. And it also happened through a fourth avenue as well, the unmasking of Trump team people done by Obama administration officials in a reverse targeting operation. What does that mean? The United States, and, and by the way, we should be able to do this, can listen to foreign assets on foreign soil who are not U.S. citizens. No reason we shouldn't. That's what spying is. But what if an American citizen is talking to those foreign assets and you wink and a nod and say you want to talk to those, you want to listen to those foreign assets, but what you're really doing the whole time is listening in on the American? Well, what's the problem with that? When you're listening in on the American through the legal process, remember, you say wink and a nod, you're listening to the foreigner, you're really listening to the American, the name is masked. The name comes across as U.S. person or U.S. official. Why was the Obama team in their last year in office engaged in record unmaskings of U.S. officials, Samantha Power, Susan Rice? And why did they lie about it? Yeah, that happened, folks, in the real world, in real time. Why were they doing that? Who were they unmasking? Was that the fourth track? Were they spying on the Trump teams claiming they were spying on foreigners when they were really spying on Trump people and unmasking them under the guise that this was some kind of counterintelligence operation? If that's the case, why was Susan Rice and Samantha Power doing it? Susan Rice was the, was a, worked for, as the national security advisor. I know that title sounds very sophisticated, but it's a political appointed position. She's not a law enforcement officer, nor is she an intelligence gatherer. She is a consumer of information for the president. Why is Samantha Power a diplomat and ambassador to the U.N.? Why is she requesting unmasking? These are not law enforcement or intelligence officials. Folks, getting back to that, I had to explain that first. Those are the four tracks of spying that went on against the Trump team. 
Cody Shear, who now the New York Times is implicating in this article as to as and saying he was running around Europe looking for this compromising information on Trump. Who's Cody Shear? Cody Shear is a pal of Sid Blumenthal, who I talked about before. Cody Shear is the brother-in-law to another Clintonista, Strobe Talbot, who was his deputy, deputy secretary of state, whose chief of staff was Victoria Nuland, who worked with Hillary Clinton at the police department. And Victoria Nuland, conveniently, was one of the people implicated in the drafting of the Benghazi talking points. Nothing to see there, folks. They all have an interest in getting Trump really dirty. Now the New York Times themselves is admitting Cody Shear, a known Clintonista, is running around Russia trying to get compromising information on Donald Trump. Um, what is that, still? Folks, this thing stinks to the heavens. Cody Shear was working with Blumenthal in Libya, where Benghazi is, in the gathering of intelligence reports to pass to Mrs. Clinton, where left-wing media outlets alone were saying a third of the information she consumed on Libya came from uh, from Blumenthal, who's working with Sheer over there. Why is he running around Eastern Europe and Russia or whatever, according to the New York Times, trying to get compromising information on Trump? Maybe because they never had any real information in the first place. Folks, nobody said it better than Mark Levin. They bought a warrant. The Clinton team, in conjunction with people on the Obama team, they effectively spied on the Trump team and bought a FISA court warrant. Now, we're going to end the show today on the most important part of this. I've said to you repeatedly, these links will be up at my website, Bongino.com. They will be up at Mark's website, MarkLevinShow.com, at the end of the show. Check the links out. The most important link I'm about to give you is a link to a Scribd page. It's like Scribd.com. It's a document. It's very, very important that you look at this document. Let me see how I have it. Hold on one second. Let me see how I have it listed on my website so you'll know. Oh, okay. It's under a subheader on the FISA abuse investigation. You'll see it's Scribd.com, and then there's a document there. There's a couple of them. One of them is entitled, and I think it's the second one, Top Secret FISA Court Order, President Obama uh, Spying on Political Enemies. Look look at it. I want, it's a long document, but I want you to go to two, actually three pages. You'll see it in the links. It's important. Page 20, page 83, and page 84. Let me explain to you what this is and why this is critical and why there's no better way to leave you with the things that make you go home moment, Okay. There were people, good people, decent people in the federal government who did not want to play along with this spying scandal on Trump. There were a lot of them. Some of them may have been covering their own butts. Once Trump won, they realized they were in trouble. Some of them may not. Frankly, I don't care about their motivations. All I care about is that they tried at least at some point to do the right thing. I believe one of those people is Admiral Mike Rogers, who was head of the NSA who realized some, let's say, abnormalities with the use of a data system to spy on people, what did Mike Rogers do? 
Mike Rogers asked the court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, asked for the, uh, the compliance office to present a report about unusual activity, spying activity, and the FISA court in turn released a memo in April. That is the link. That's the Scrib document. Page 20, page 83, and page 84 of that document are absolutely astonishing. What do they say? It's very readable, folks. You don't have to go through the whole document. Just hit on those pages. It says that there were abuses of basically the spying process. That, To be fair, it says some of it they believe was human error. This is a compliance review that was done at the request of Admiral Mike Rogers. To be fair, they say, well, some of it was human error. But they don't say all of it, meaning some of it was intentional, right, by simple logic. The later pages, 83 and 84, at the end of 83 and the top of 84, there are some stunning revelations that not only was the spying system, the NSA data they'd accumulated, being abused, but the information was being shared with, quote, third parties and private contractors. What the hell? Are we kidding? The the What? The information was being shared in this NSA database with private contractors and third parties? Who the heck are they? You think I'm making any of this up? Click on the link. It is a FISA court document. Click on it. Read it yourself. This is an official government document. It's not made up. It's not a hoax. It's real. It's from April. You can read it yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, the most critical question of the hour right now, and I, I, I don't mean of the hour of the show, I mean that in a global way here, is who the heck were those third parties and private contractors that NSA database information was being shared with? I don't know. I, because I, and I, and I'm hesitant to speculate. But folks, if those are people who are political operatives, those third parties, wow. I mean, where do you go with that one? This is again why I'm telling you there is a paper trail. They are not going to be able to run from this. People will be held accountable. That OIG report coming out by Michael Horowitz is going to be damning. And let me throw you another inter interesting uh, coincidence here, by the way. What's fascinating is my Admiral Mike Rogers, who makes the right move in requesting this review of the spying, gets a damning report back, which I just told you about, which indicates third parties may have had access to misinformation and private contractors, not government officials. The Obama administration understands right away Rogers isn't playing ball with them. Don't you find it interesting that right after Rogers meets with Trump at Trump Tower on November 17th, Trump leaves Trump Tower the next day? And don't you find it even more interesting that just days later the Obama administration starts calling for Admiral Mike Rogers to step down? You think Rogers was onto something? You think he told Trump something? You think it freaked the Trump team out enough to get out of Trump Tower and go to a place they had better control of? Folks, all of this stuff happened. You can look it up yourself. 
None of this is made up. One more interesting tidbit, and i got to take a break. After it gets, say, outed within the federal government that Rogers is getting suspicious and requesting this review of the spying operation, the Department of Justice, the Obama Department of Justice, by the way, because he's still the president, Trump's just the president-elect, decides they're going to get out ahead of it, too, and they're going to request their own review. Why would they do that? Maybe cover your cabooses. Maybe they were covering their butts. They had to provide some plausible deniability. Look, we requested an audit, too. We realized something was wrong. Who's the guy who requests that? And then, by the way, resigns not shortly afterwards? Oh, that's right. John Carlin. The same John Carlin involved with the prosecution of Yevgeny uh, uh, Buryakov, who was a Russian uh, asset, who was locked up by our people, who was involved in a criminal case, should say, with our people, the FBI, and the asset in that case used in that case to nab the Russians was Carter Page, the same case Carlin was working, the same Carlin at the DOJ National Security Division who realizes somebody got busted. It all happened, folks. The great Internet never goes away. They will not be able to run from this. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Sorry, I was in a in a break. I'm getting into a, another Twitter war with one of these Politico uh, dopes. I can't stand these guys. They drive me crazy. These left wing they can't get these left leaning websites can't get past the fact that they have been hiding the most destructive political spying scandal in United States history and covering up for them. Everything they do is an attempt to to to, to paint a narrative for the left. It's just. It's so disturbing. Hey, do we have time for a quick call, by the way? I feel bad. These people are okay. Cool. All right, let's take uh, let's take John in Fort Worth. I feel bad. I didn't take enough calls during the show, but it was an important topic. John, what do you got for us? Hi, Dan. Thanks for your service. Oh, you're hey, welcome, uh, sir. You there? This memo, this memo that the Democrats gave President Trump. Now, I just I want your thoughts on this. If yeah. I was him, I wouldn't give it up either if it's not 100% up and up, truthful, because he can hold it for evidence, correct? Well, and- the Democrats are doing this for a reason. They're putting information in there they know would compromise sources and methods, knowing the president would be forced to either make redaction decisions, which they'll claim are political, or withhold the memo entirely, until, which is what he did. He wouldn't declassify it. That's what They did that intentionally. Keep in mind, though, here's one final point on this, and I'm glad, John, thanks for the call. I'm sorry, but we're running up against the end of the show, but I want to get this out there before we wrap up. Here's where the Democrats consistently get Trump wrong. Trump does not play by their traditional games. They tried to play him for a fool on the government shutdown, and he wasn't interested in playing up the media's talking points or playing like a sucker lapdog for the media folks. He wasn't interested. He was going to put out his own narrative on his own Twitter account. He was going to go on TV and blast away. Traditional Republicans didn't do that. The same thing is going to happen with this memo. They are going to dance. They're going to dive. They're going to try to get away from it. They're going to say, oh, these are political redactions. This was a political decision. Trump's hiding something. They're not going to be able to because he's going to hammer them relentlessly, relentlessly 
on putting sources and methods in there, and it's not going to work. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. All of the links I discussed tonight are available at my website, Bongino.com. They will be available right after the show ends at MarkLevinShow.com. Please read them, and you can walk through how liberals actually painted the picture for you, the liberal media outlets. It's delicious. Thanks, folks. See you soon. 